Um, John chapter, what is that something? That John chapter something was recap, right? Recap. John chapter something was 15, right? I shared with you how Jesus said that I am the vine, you are the branches, right? Remember that? Remember that? And the summary of I am the vine, you are the branches is that rooted branches nourish and flourish, but unrooted and uprooted and broken branches will dry and die. And we want to nourish, we want to flourish this year. That's why deep roots will nourish you and deep roots will also anchor you this day. One more recap. I also shared with you the importance of being a potted plant versus a planted plant. Remember that? Remember that? Which one do you want to be? Which one do you want to be? But I shared with you also that potted plant, very practical, ma. You travel, you can take it up and go. You don't have to be settled in any one place. You can be a, 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 planted, a, a plant vagabond, right? You can go wherever you want. Isn't that good? To, be, to have no connections, you know, as Bob Dylan says, you know, like a rolling stone, no direction home, right? No? No? Good! Then you guys have been paying attention because you want to know that a potted plant has limited growth. The root system will just coil in together and after a while, it just sucks up all the nutrients from that particular set of soil and then that's it. It will have its caps. But a plant that is rooted goes deep, grows strong. It keeps being nourished by new dynamic soil and that plant grows to yield much more. Amen? And so, we want to do the same because when you plant, when you're planted in the ground, when you're planted in Christ, then you grow. You don't just grow, you grow upwards. You grow upwards into maturity. And I shared with you guys that competence is not maturity right and therefore churchy competence is not spiritual maturity so today we want to go one layer further today i want to show you that deep roots anchor deep roots don't just nourish deep roots anchor one thing i did not show you on the slide but I shared last week is that this is going to be a challenging year. And I'm not saying that to speak difficulty over you. Every year is a challenging year. There is no year where there is no volatility in the world. There is no year where there is no drought in the world. There is no year where there is no hardship in the world. And so it is a wise thing to prepare yourself each year for scorching seasons. So even if a scorching season is not quite as hot as you prepared for, you were prepared. Amen? And so one thing about scorching seasons is that scorching seasons will push you deeper. Amen? Scorching seasons will push you deeper. And deeper roots will withstand the shaking. And these are the two things that I want to share with you today as, you, as we dive deeper into what it means to put deep roots in God. Scorching seasons will push you deeper and deepen roots will withstand the shaking. I want to take you first to Psalm 63. Psalm 63 is my favourite psalm of all, right? And it, is, it begins with King David in one of his scorching seasons. I'm going to read this to you. Oh God, you are my God. 
earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. King David, the author of this psalm, is in one of his scorching seasons. He's chasing after God. He's thirsty. He's hungry. He's needing God more than ever before. You know what that feels like? Church, you know what that feels like to be in a season where you need God more than ever before you are desperate for His touch? Amen? So what does David, what does the psalmist do when he is in a season like that? Now, I want you to pay attention to the tense, the English tense, the present, past and future tense in this. That's why I'm, I'm glad you paid attention during English grammar class back in school. Earnestly, you did, didn't you? Earnestly, I seek you is what tense? Present tense, right? My soul thirsts for you. Present tense. My flesh faints for you, right? Present tense, right? Okay, so he's experiencing this scorching season right now. Okay, it's happening right now, live, real time. Okay, now what does he do when he's in a season of great need for God? So I have looked. What's that? It's, it's, a, it's some kind of past tense, right? I have looked is a past continuous, I think. Okay, never mind. It's a past tense, okay? I have looked. So what's he doing? In his season of need, in his season of desperation, he is going back. He's going back to all memories of what he has experienced with God. He's going back and recalling, bringing, bringing from the past to his present, past experiences, the witness that he has experienced, the testimony and the journey he's been on. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory once upon a time. Once upon a time, he saw God's power. He beheld God's glory in his sanctuary. And that shaped him. That was transformative for him. And so now, today, when he is in his season of barrenness, he goes back to the memory of what he has experienced with God. And then he says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips, what's that? What's will praise you? What's will praise you? I was still in grammar class. My lips will praise you. Future tense. So, I will bless you. Future tense, right? As long as I live. In your name, I will lift you up. What's happening? The past, his past experience, the past faithfulness of God, which was new then, is new again. It was new for him then, and he's today accessing memories of, his, of God's work in his life so that tomorrow he can keep praising, so that tomorrow he can keep blessing, and so that he will always be satisfied. My soul will be satisfied. It will be so satisfying, it's like the rich drippings of the, of the fat and rich food, right? 
Y'all know what that tastes like, right? Okay? He's equating the satisfaction of God to that kind of satisfaction. He says, my mouth will praise you, will praise you, right? Will praise you with joyful lips when what? Every time he is on his bed, he remembers his mouth will praise. Every time he's awake in the watches of the night, he will meditate and he will praise God. That's the posture. This is Psalm 63, right? The place of barrenness has to become the place of accessing past faithfulness of God. And this is evidence that David has deep roots. He can access deep roots in his past with his experiences with God, with his, with his journey and faithfulness, his processing with God, and he can tap into places far from him on the surface. Imagine if David is a tree and he is scorched on the topsoil, right? David can reach deep into his memories and the faithfulness of God and that gives him life. That gives him water. Amen? Amen? And so the psalm finishes, For you have been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. And then see the tense shift as this whole section changes. My soul now clings. So it's in the present. He goes back to the past to draw water so that not only he, today he has, he has strength, but he has strength for tomorrow's praise. And he ends with strength for right now, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Amen? Amen? Is God good? Is God good? Have you walked with God, my, my church? You have walked with God. I know you've walked with God. That, those are your deep roots. Your walk with God, the, the little scribbles in your Bible from last year, those are your roots, right? Your, your notes from some training, from some class from long ago that today sits at the bottom of some drawer and it's a mess, those are your deep roots. The lessons you have learned, the sickness you were healed from a long time ago, those are your roots. The breakthrough you got when you prayed, right? Those are your roots. Today, if you are in a season of barrenness and scorching, turn back to the foundations that were laid by Christ in the early days because deep roots will anchor you. Amen? Somebody say, deep roots will anchor. Now, if scorching seasons strengthen you when you access the, the rich living waters from your walk with God, what happens to scorching, what happens by scorching seasons when you don't access those things? What else, what normally do scorching seasons do to you, right? It's a no-brainer. Scorching seasons normally shrivel people up. They shrivel plants up, right? The typical response for anyone and anything is that if you just leave that thing alone, if you're just fending for yourself, scorching seasons shrivel. Amen? And a bit better than shrivel, and I hope we don't shrivel, okay? Okay, church, you guys don't want to shrivel, right? Right? Now, a bit better than shriveling is you survive. Now, I don't want to poo-poo surviving, okay? It, some, I know all of you, you've gone through seasons which are so rough, Right? You've just weathered storms that were so chaotic that just to survive, you praise God. And 
that can be a very good thing. But you can't stay in survival mode year on year on year and season after season after season. At some point, you're going to have to dock your ship in safe harbour and then put roots down and then bring stability and eventually you don't just want to survive scorching seasons, you want to be strengthened through scorching seasons. Amen? Amen? Now, I talked a lot a moment ago about the work of accessing the past. Today, I want to talk also, right now, I want to talk a little bit about the things we can do today that takes place in the deep inner parts of our lives. So roots go deep, okay? Now, one deep thing that you and I experience unconsciously is the deepness, the deep-rootedness, the deep-setness of our daily routines. And one thing we all want to say, most of us at the start of the new year, we will say, I want to change. I want to do something. I got a new resolution. Or maybe you've had so many New Year's resolutions that you've given up on having them. Please don't give up. Please don't give up. You just have to do a few things with them. You know, uh, um, you, you have to make them maybe more precise, right? You can't just say, I want to be better. I want to be healthier. No, you just have to decide you know, to make one meal a day healthier or you got to decide on, you know, cutting out one type of food, something. You just have to be more precise and you've got, you know, smart goals, right? You've got to be specific, you've got to be measurable, blah, blah, blah. Now, I'm going to give you seven things, okay? It's not on the slide, okay? But I'm going to give you seven things. So if you want to write these seven things down, growth, goal, habit, setting things, okay? So I'm going to give you seven, and I didn't come up with them. I learned them from different people over different times, okay? So if you want them, I'm going to read all seven out to them, to you uh, right now, okay? In no particular order. Number one, I shared this on the reel yesterday. Small but daily is better than big but occasional. If you want to start a new goal, you want, to, you want to start a new habit, you want to set new goals, small but daily is going to be way better, way more effective than going big but occasional. I know you want to go big. I know you're enthusiastic. I know start of the year you're motivated. You want to do something. You want to like, oh, let's do like one hour of Bible reading. But how, you know, last year you read like, one minute or like, you know. Um, now, you want to go from not to 100 in like, you know, 4.9 seconds. Good luck to you, right? But small and daily, way better than trying something big and grand and then in the end, the whole year, you do four times only, right? Okay? Rather, I'd much rather you put in five minutes every day. Two minutes if you're starting from zero. Start small, but make it daily. Okay, number two. First one, small but daily. Number two, pair new pathways with old ways. Amen? Pair new pathways with old ways. I can't tell you how much our brains... Now, you just read a little bit about brain science. I can't tell you how much our brains are configured to to use existing neural pathways. If you have done something once, you keep doing it that way, you're accustomed to doing it that way, you go for the shortest, most familiar route possible. If you want to introduce something new, can I be honest with you, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to remap how you think and to remap how you live. So what you want to do is you want to pair a new pathway to an old way. How can you do that? Every morning, you already have 
right? Some of you don't wake up in the morning. Some of you wake up at lunchtime, right? That's okay. That's okay. Because number, number, <laughs> number one of them is if you can't start early, start strong, right? But don't worry, we'll get to that, right? If you already have your normal routines, right? You go to the bathroom, you brush your teeth, you do certain things. If you want to start a new thing, pair it with an existing thing. You want to pray more, right? Pair it with an act. Do you drive? To work every day, pair your praying time with the driving because you're already doing that. You're just tumpanging, right? You're just leveraging on something you're already doing by doing something different. Every day you wear your socks, right? Every day you wear your socks. While you're wearing your socks, just say, God, I pray that you give me feet that will carry the good news to people. Right? Amen? Amen? Every day you wear your watch, right? right? While you're wearing your watch, you say to God, God, I pray that today you help me steward my time well. Amen? Because you're already doing it anyway. So pair a new pathway with an old way. Number three. Number three. Record and reward regularly. Okay? Record and reward regularly. Why? Because again, our brains are designed and hardwired for reward. Dopamine is king in our brain, right? We are constantly desiring some kind of reward system, right? That's why video games are so addictive. You just tekan that one thing, ping! It's like, there's noise, there's sound, there's light, there's movement, and all those things are rewarding. Dopamine drive, right? Overdrive. And then you feel motivated. You want to keep going, right? And so, track your new habits. Record them. There are lots of, bi- uh, there are lots of habit tracking apps out there. You can download free ones really easily. You can start putting three two, three new habits that you want to set, you know, and then every day, swipe on them. And then, ping, you know, and something will happen and you are using technology, using something to create a reward system in you. Know how your brain works, know how your body works, play along with it. I have a habit tracking notebook. I like analog, I like handwriting and paper, so I track Yes, last year, I tracked all my habits. I got like some 14 things that I want to make sure I do every day. I don't do them great every day, but I track them as every day as I can. And some days I don't write, so I write in my phone, then I transcribe it. But do it, right? Number four, set rhythms and tempos. If you try to start new things, but it's scattered, there's no fixed time, you have no whatever, it's just all over the place, you just do it randomly. When I got the mood, then I do. It will not set in. Rhythms and tempos is so, so that your week, your day, your month, you know, your new habits are falling into a certain kind of pacing. Number five is if you can't start early, I know some of you wake up late, it's okay. Even if you can't start early, start strong. Start strong. Just because you don't wake up at, you know, 6am, you know, and you get to do your quiet time in this idyllic perfect way doesn't mean you can't start strong. Okay, um, so plan your next day, whether it's your next noon or your next late morning, the night before, have things ready, put your Bible on the table already, put your notebook out already, wake up, see it, start strong. Amen. Number six, say it to someone. Say it to someone. Don't, don't go on it alone because when you're doing, doing it alone, then, then you know what? There's no accountability. Okay, so I want to encourage you when whatever goal you have, whatever habit you want to write into your life, say it to someone. Now, there's a 
group of you guys, you crazy people. One of my goals is to get back into running this year, 2024, right? And there's a crazy group of you guys, I won't out y'all, you know, who's been telling me, Pacific, half marathon, 21K, let's go, right? And I'm like, sure not, let's go, let's do it, I'll sign you up, right? And so um, I'm on course, I have people who are hunting for half marathons, April onwards, you know, for pacifics to go and run with them on. And so, and so I, why? Because I said it to someone. And having said it to someone, you have other people jumping in to share dope with you, right? To share dopamine with you and motivation. And number seven, which really is the place to start, is start with I am. Start with I am. Now, the Spiro ones among you are thinking like, start with God. God is Jesus is the I am, right? And yes, that's true. Okay, you want to start with God. But I want to share with you how you're going to start with I am. You're going to pay more attention to who you are becoming rather than what you are doing. So instead of saying, I am going to run, uh, 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 I'm going to run more, right? Just, you're going to say an identity statement to yourself even before you talk about the running or the, or the eating something. You're going to say, I'm a fit person. And you're thinking, no, I'm not a fit person. No, you're going to say it to yourself, I am a fit person. You're going to say, tell yourself, I'm someone who wakes up, you know, uh, I'm an early morning person, right? I'm a no-snooze person, right? You're going to say, I'm a one-helping person. Right? And when you say it to yourself and you say it to, to yourself over and in the hearing of others, then you have a community of affirming and supportive people. And in this way, you're doing deep work in the unseen places of your natural, automatic clockwork habits. Amen? Amen. I'm going to go back to the Bible now, okay? Okay, you guys good? You caught all seven? If you didn't catch all seven... You can come and copy from here, okay? Yeah. All right. Now, I pray, says Paul, that out of the glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through His Spirit. In where? Your inner being. So deep roots are working in the inner, deep inner places. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being what? Rooted and established in love. Let's pause there. What is Paul praying? He's praying for the people to be rooted and established in love, for God to do work deep inside, in the subterranean parts of their lives, right? In the inner being, in the heart, rooted, established, firm. And when you are rooted and established in God, then you can comprehend how wide, how deep, how high, how long is the love of God. What does that mean? That means that scorching seasons will push you deeper when you are rooting for the King or when you are rooted in the King. Rooted in the King means drinking from the King. Drinking from the King means being filled with Kingness and King's power. Amen? So I want to encourage you in this way. Now, one more thing about scorching seasons and roots and trees. A long time ago, I heard this metaphor from somewhere, but it didn't really stick until one day. I was, it was an early morning, I was on the KLIA uh, 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 highway, okay, going to the airport, uh, going to, to Sabah for one of, the, one of the trips that we were going on. And the, the taxi, taxis in those days, came to a slow, kind of like sluggish drive. 
eventually a stop. And I was like, wow, apa eh? Takut nanti late untuk airport kan, right? It's not good, right? Okay? And so, the guy was telling me, he lululuk, then he's like, pokok tumbang. I was like, oh, pokok tumbang. This is not good. You don't want pokok tumbang when you're going to the airport. And as we, as we eked our way towards the pokok tumbang, okay? As we drove past the tree, that tumbang, right? I, I looked out the window. It's one of those like really tall trees. Quite, quite like, you know, about this, this broad. And the, the roots were really short. The roots were maybe about like this. This is this kind of like scraggly hairs sticking out from the base, okay? And it was just all like this thing. But the hell, the poko is like from here until don't know how far, you know? And I, and I immediately I started to think like, how do those roots hold that tree up? How on earth, right? And so I made a passing remark to the taxi driver saying, Wow, I think akar tu pendek eh? Yeah, patutlah tumbang. Right. And then, it, short roots, right? No wonder it fell. Sorry to those uh, non-native BM speakers, right? Um, and the driver said something that made everything click. He said, Memanglah, sini banyak hujan. Right? Okay. Now, now it makes sense. Because that tree is like this. Okay, that tree gets water very easily. The topsoil is always moist. You see where this is going, church? When a tree gets water easily, the topsoil is now. By the way, if you are a botanist or a zoologist or something like that, you know, and you're like, Pastor, this doesn't apply to all trees, or this doesn't apply to most trees, it's a metaphor, it's a parable, okay? It's called the parable of the two trees, okay? Okay? <laughs> There was a tree, yeah, that, that was planted in moist soil, right? And the soil was always moist. And so the root system never had to go very deep because it drank easily from the topsoil. The topsoil was always moist enough to moisten and nourish the tree. And so the tree lived an easy life. It drank, so it grew. And it drank, and it grew. But it grew upwards. It didn't grow downwards. This is the person who has an easy life. This is the person, whenever you pray to God, bang, supernatural happens. Bang, prayer answered. God, give me kapak, bang. Wow, suddenly car come out. It's like, praise the Lord, hallelujah. One year later, right? One year later, you're like this other tree. It's like, God, give me kapak. Do kapak. God, give me breakthrough. Slow breakthrough. God, I want healing. You're still living with that limb, right? And you're like, God, why? Why so hard? Once upon a time, I could drink easily. I could drink richly. My engagement with you was, was like real time, buddy, right? Now, it's like, I pray. My prayer goes up. It bounces back. It's like you don't want a lion, right? And you go through scorching season. You go through dry season. You ask yourself and you ask God, God, where is your water? You promised me water. Where is your water? You promised me you will answer. You promised me you're hearing my prayers. Where is the answer to, to my prayers? I'm still praying. Still praying for your loved one, for salvation. Still praying for your body. Still praying for your finances. Still praying for, for, for an opportunity. Right? And you, now, are like the tree planted where topsoil is dry. 
And what happens to the tree whose topsoil is dry? The roots must push deeper. The roots must push deeper. If not, then you... Look, there are no, there's no fourth way, okay? You either shrivel or you survive or you strengthen. And so for this tree, if this tree wants to live, this tree is going to have to push its roots deeper and deeper in search for water. What's the tree's goal? Water. The tree's goal is not to grow strong. The tree's goal is just to touch some water, to drink, to live. And that's what you go through when you experience scorching seasons. You just seek and search. That's why Psalm 63 says, Oh Lord, my God, earnestly I seek you. When David says, earnestly I seek you, he's just pushing his roots deeper into dry ground, trying to feel his way so that, if possible, he can touch some water. Right? Eventually, you push deep enough, by the grace of God, you will touch water. David touched the water. He touched the water of his memory of beholding the glory and the beauty of God in the sanctuary. He touched water. In the same way, as you put your roots deeper into dry ground, seasons of barrenness, seasons of difficulty, seasons of unanswered prayer, keep on going. Why? Because when you touch water, two things happen. One, you touch water. You actually do touch water and finally you're not going to die and dry. You're going to be nourished and flourished. Okay, that's one. But I'm not talking about one, I'm talking about two. The unexpected, unplanned for, incidental gain from pushing your roots deeper is you realise that you became a stronger tree. And your root system now go way deeper into the goodness of God, into the reality of God, into the ways of God such that now having weathered scorching seasons and having touched water at the end of it, you are much more strongly built than you were before. And today, if the wind blows and the storms hit, this tree will still tumbang because he had life easy. This tree won't go down. This tree won't go down. Amen? Amen? And that's why Scripture says, everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. This is the Luke version. He is like a man building a house who what? Dug deep. Church, dig deep. Church, are you just going to be content drinking waters in the topsoil? You would rather, I would rather, it's so much more convenient. But God's going to put us in seasons of dryness and it may occur it may appear as though he is being unkind. It may appear as though he is being cruel, sadistic, sadistic even. God, you just love to see people suffer, right? You never thought that way? I'm sure we all have. God, you just want to see me suffer, right? Even Job thought that way at some point, right? But no, if you follow the life of Joseph, for example. Gosh, he went through some scorching seasons, lost and forgotten in prison, right? Sold as a slave to a foreign land. Would he not think that God was like orchestrating this whole thing because he was a, he was a malevolent and, and, and horrible, sadistic God? Yes, of course he would have thought that at some point. This thought will cross your minds. Today, I'm sharing this with you so you can carry it the whole year. God is not 
trying to be sadistic. He gives you seasons of dryness so that you put your roots deeper because He knows a storm is coming. He knows the storm is coming. Where do, where do we see the storm is coming? Okay, I'm going to put this over to the side, okay? Okay? Because what it says here, He hears my words. How are you going to hear God's word? Today I'm casting vision. I'm still casting vision for this year. How are you going to hear God's word? You're going to hear God's word through? Remember I said last week, right? It's, the Bible is to a, to a Christian what a stethoscope is to a doctor, right? It is the instrument by which you hear. It is the instrument by which you hear if things are okay or if things are not okay, right? You're going to have to hear the word by Scripture. This year, I'm taking all of you through 18 weeks of the entire Bible narrative. We are going to go from creation to fall, from the resets of Noah, you know, and, uh, and Babel, you know, to the promise given to Abraham. We're going to go to the tribes of Jacob and the exodus out of Egypt. We're going to look at the conquest of the land of Canaan and the chaos of the era of the judges. We're going to look at how they established kings from Saul to David to Solomon and then the kingdom splits, right? And God had to send prophets to come and woo them back to obedience at the end of this whole thing, they so decayed, the whole thing collapses and they are exiled to Babylon. After 70 years, they return. And then there is a waiting, the waiting in the, between the Old and New Testaments, the anticipation of the coming Messiah. Jesus comes to establish the kingdom of God which is near you and within you and in your midst. He goes to the cross to die for our sins and in so doing, salvation and therein birth the church. And the church will go on and on until the apocalypse. We're going to take you through this whole big story across 18 weeks. Amen? And this is a snapshot, my friends. This is like really like bang, 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 bang. 18 weeks. Your whole Bible narrative is in the back, right? And I want you to become proficient in this. I want you to be able to know the big story so that when you hear Jonah, oh, Jonah, Jonah's around this kind of time, right? Oh, um, what's this? First Peter, First Peter is somewhere here, right? Moses, of course, Moses is here, right? Uh, Gideon, Gideon is around here, right? You know because you grow proficient in the big story of God's redemptive work in our lives. That's the 18, 18 week series beginning next week. Okay, it's beginning next week. Okay, now this is a this is a bird's eye view. I'm gonna use one Wednesday night a week. Okay, this year, okay, one Wednesday is the fourth Wednesday night a week, okay, or the last Wednesday night uh, uh, of the month, okay, in the week of the month, okay, to do this thing called open book. You guys want to open book, right? Okay, open book is a Bible study we're going to do right here in church on Wednesday night, fourth week, or rather the last week, okay, we'll be doing open book. I'm going to do word. It's like cells come in as a cell. Okay? Cells come in as a cell. If you're not in a cell, come in anyway. I'll be doing Bible study. I'm going to do word. So you don't have to do word in cell. You come in, you tumpang, I do word for you. Okay? Okay? We do word here. Okay? We're all going to open book. We're all going to learn our Bibles. We're all going to... This one, we deep dive. This one, we dissect. This one, we really go granular and learn the skills needed to do Bible well. Okay, and it's from here that you will really learn the 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 work of a surgeon, right? You get you with your scalpel, you're gonna like go fine 
cuts okay, into the word. The other one is you're, you're the, doing the work of a meteorologist, right? You're just looking at weather patterns shift, okay? Amen? Are we good? You guys? Okay, so open book begins in February. Okay, I think it's February 28th. Am I right? Okay, it's February 28th. Now, March, the last Friday is Good Friday. Okay, so I ain't going to clash with Good Friday to do this. Okay, so it's February and then April onwards until the end of the year. Okay, so we're starting in February. Okay, March is Good Friday, April onwards. Okay, so that's what we're going to do because you need to hear anyone who hears these words of mine, right? Hears these words of mine. It's like a man who built his house, dark, Deep. What happens when he digs deep, right? When a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it. So church, if you are anchored in the Word this year, when the storms come, it will not shake you. It will sway a little bit, but it will not shake you. You will be tago. You will not tumbang. Amen? Amen? So the Matthew version says the rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, the, the other house, the house that was built on, on, on shifting sand, right? That house fell with a crash, right? I love the Matthew version for one reason. It shows you a 360 assault on that house, right? Rains came down, streams rose up, winds beat against it from the side. And that is what scorching seasons will do to you. The attacks will come from the top, it will come from the bottom, it will come from every single side. You will feel on some moments like you are assailed and being thrown into a whirlwind. But if you are anchored in the Word, if you have deep roots, you will not crash. Amen? So I'm passionate about ensuring that this year we grow resilience. Resilience in God, resilience in the Word. Amen? Shakings are inevitable, but strengthening is pivotal. The shakings will be inevitable, but your strengthening, therefore, is absolutely pivotal. I'm still going on. I'm still going on, right? At this time, His voice shook the earth, says the Bible in Hebrews chapter 12, right? God's voice will shake the earth. Now, you may say, Pastor, who, do, who does this shaking, right? Who does this shaking? Is it just like some just natural order doing this shaking? Can't control it? Is it just random bad luck, you know, um, that shakings happen? Hebrews 12 suggests that sometimes it is God Himself who does the shaking, right? Because God's voice shakes the earth and then He promised, yet once more, I will shake. I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. This phrase, and he starts quoting something from Haggai. Haggai chapter 2, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made. In other words, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. I'm going to put this into simpler form for you. God is going to shake everything. Heavens and earth. He's going to shake everything. When everything shakes, the things that can tumbang will tumbang. It will crash. The houses built on sifting sand, shifting sand, will tumbang. Right? The first two little pigs put in houses will tumbang. God will shake. And everything that cannot stand will not stand. So that only the unshakable may remain. Is God sadistic for this? No. 
God will shake. He will shake because there are a lot of bad things out there that need to be shaken and fallen down. And those things will not fall down if there is no global shaking. And global shakings will take place, my friends. They are already taking place. And if you feel the reverberations of it, time to put down deep roots so you don't join them in falling. You stay standing at the end of it all. Amen? Amen? Hebrews 12 finishes by saying this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Now, I just want to let this expression sink in. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. God is extending His kingdom. Jesus has come onto the earth and He has inaugurated a new way of living. We are part of that new way of living. In case you didn't notice, we are part of that new movement, the renewal of the world we live in. The kingdom is advancing. And wherever the king goes, king's power comes through, right? And wherever the temples go, you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wherever the temples go, supernatural power of the Holy Spirit breaks out. So supernatural takes place where you and I go. We don't wait for, where is supernatural? Let me go there. Where you go, supernatural can go. Why? Because you are the intersection between the natural and the supernatural. God lives in you through the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so, this kingdom cannot be shaken. It's in reference to what God is doing through His church. Through His church, the kingdom of God is extended. Not exclusively through the church, but quite often through the church. And Jesus says this one thing. He says that, I will build my church. You don't have to worry about the building of His church. You just lay your hands to the plow and be part of the building. But you don't have to worry about, is the building this, is the building that, is the building fruitful, is the building this. You just stay faithful. God will be fruitful for you. Amen? You just stay faithful. Keep your hand on the plow. Don't look back, right? Not Lot's wife, you know. Don't look back. Just stay. Stay plowing forward, right? Stay faithful. He says, I will build my church. You go make disciples, but I will build my church. And when I build the church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen? But I can tell you this one thing. If you look at the at the church as it is today, you'll see all kinds of things. Some of it very encouraging. Last year, we had the privilege and the joy as a whole world, right, to see uh, uh, um, the revival that happened in Asbury, right? And that was really encouraging to see that today, uh, um, uh, God is still pouring out His Spirit upon a church. And what I loved most about Asbury is that the leaders of the church turned the media channels away and said, no, we will not monetize this. This will not become a social media circus. Everybody, turn off your cameras, go home, right? And I love that because there was a purity about the revival. It was not, the revival will not be televised, right? Okay? The revival was real. And if you see some of these things, it's very encouraging. And I think it's good that in the church today, these things are still happening. And at the same time, my heart grieves, and maybe I say this quite a lot, but you're going to have to hear it a little bit more from me, just a little bit more from me. My heart grieves that the church in the Middle East, in the Levant, that part of the land, where conflict is taking place. My heart grieves that the church there, which by the way is made up mostly of Palestinian Christians, 
they are our sisters and brothers, that church is being decimated. Absolutely decimated. Destroyed. Such as church buildings are being destroyed. Pastors are, are seeing their congregations scatter. Everyone is mass migrating. And all their ministry work is in ashes. Can God raise it back to life? Yes. But my heart grieves, you see. My heart grieves because our sisters and brothers are there being flung out from their churches and having to pack their bags prayer leader, ministry leader, pastor, pastor's wife, pastor's husband all gathering their things and migrating like nomads all over again and it's not right it's not right and I've told you all before, I'll say it again my allegiance is to Christ you can have your political kind of affiliations and that's okay but I can tell you, once you are a Christian your allegiance is first to Christ and your second allegiance is to the body of Christ and once the body of Christ is wounded I wake up and suddenly I'm interested I'm no longer neutral and it's no longer optional once the body of Christ is being destroyed I wake up and you should too and so when we look at the state of the church today there are encouraging and discouraging things taking place I want you to be deeply anchored deeply anchored in roots that go very very deep about how God builds His church and how He ensures that the church that He builds, the gates of hell shall never prevail against them. So, I, I, it's without a doubt that when the church in that part of the world is being decimated, a gate of hell has opened against it. But the gate of hell shall not prevail against the decimation of the church. The church will arise. The body of Christ will arise. Christ Himself will reign in that place through His believers who are effectively just like you and I. And God will do a work to bring the church to continue being resilient and keep on keeping on. Now, how do we grow trust in that? When you have a long view of the church. Not just forward, because we can't really see forward. You need to have a long view of the church backwards so that you can see that the church has prevailed against all kinds of atrocities. The church has prevailed against all kinds of corruption. The church has prevailed against all kinds of persecution. The church has prevailed against all kinds of things. And still we are here today. Amen? And so, as part of our deep rooting, as part of our discipling of every single one of you, this year, we are offering church history. And when you come for church history, it's four Sundays right after church. So 12.45, a bit like how we're doing it today, okay? After church, you makan, then you jump in, stay back, you know, make this your lunch plan. It only ends just before three anyways, okay? So come in for church history. It's four Sundays. They're not consecutive. They're a bit, there's a break in between, okay? Um, but four Sundays, registration opens today. And when you come for church history, you will get a long view of God's faithfulness. Because we sang the song just now. They are new every morning, new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. Okay? And when the church was being persecuted to death and martyred day by day, God's faithfulness was new every morning. Amen? And when the church fell into corruption and fell, and when the church and state joined hands and got under the same bed covers, you know, and suddenly politics and pastorate became the same thing, God's faithfulness was still new every morning. And He carried that church from dark 
season, through dark season, through bright seasons and new dark seasons until we are here today. Sign up for church history so that you have a long view. Commit to learning the deep roots of this thing we, are, we share together. Because we didn't grow, we didn't show up in 2020. We did, in a sense. We did show up in 2020 as SIBKL Sungai Bulo. But SIBKL's journey begins in 1994. And SIB's journey, not 1994, traces all the way back to Sarawak in 1928. And the churches, uh, 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 the church in Malaysia, that history goes back to the 1500s. And then the church before the 1500s goes all the way back to that upper room, right, in Mark's mother's house where the Spirit of God blew in and the church was born. Amen? And so church, sign up for church history, not because it's something I want to plug, it's because it's a root and I want you to grow. Amen? Amen? I'm done with that plug, let's move on. So therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Deeper roots will withstand the shaking when our foundations is in the kingdom of God. I want, to invite, I want to invite the worship team to come on stage. And I want every single one of you to do this. This wall is called our Deep Roots Wall. There are two sad uh, cards on our Deep Roots Wall. You all looking, look at that? Yeah, you guys looking at that? Okay, okay. They're two very sad, but, but I'm very proud of those two, okay? The first one to go is the brave one. The second one joins them and gives courage, okay? I want you guys to commit to growing in something this year. I want you guys to commit to one growth goal. Just one spiritual growth goal this year. Don't do ten. Don't do ten, right? Do one. Make it a good one. Grow deep roots. Put them all the way down. And through seasons of scorching, fire and dryness, stay on God. Because deep roots won't just nourish you, deep roots will anchor you. And through all of those seasons, I want you to know that God's faithfulness is indeed new every morning. New every morning. Amen? Jesus, I declare today that you are my Lord. You are Lord of all of my life. You are Lord of all of my heart. You are Lord of all of my soul. Lord of all of my strength. And Lord of all of my thoughts and my energy and my best will. I will it to you, Lord God, so that you be the Lord over the decision-making place in my heart, Lord God. Today, Lord God, I make you Lord of all. Not part, not most, not almost all. Today I make you Lord of all my habits, all my ways, all my routines, all my life. Through the days of well watering to the days of barren scorching, I give you my life. So that in every high and stormy gale, you can use it to shake me and deepen me in my trust in you, in my love for you, and in my steadfast walking with you for those who endure to the end indeed will be saved so church may the Lord bless you and may the Lord bless that one growth goal 
that you raised up to him in prayer earlier. May the Lord bless that. And may the Lord keep you and turn his face out of grace towards you. May the Lord lift up his countenance toward you and give you peace. And all of God's people say, Amen. All of God's people say, Amen.